Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Australian Grape and Wine Studio Canberra podcast. My name is Lee McLean. I'm the General Manager for Government Relations and External Affairs. And with me as always is Tony Badaline, our Chief Executive. G'day, Tony. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Lee. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Now, we, we've had a busy morning up at Parliament House uh, today, uh, meeting with a, a range of different people. We've met with the Prime Minister's office, a couple of the advisors there. We've met with the new Trade, Tourism and Investment uh, Minister, Dan Tan. Oh, Minister Littleproud, Minister Andrew G as well from uh, the electorate of Clare. They're really positive meetings. And I just want to sort of mention that, you know, as an advocacy organisation, building these relationships with decision makers, with politicians, their advisors and their departments is just such a, an important part of what we do. So it's it's really good now that sort of things are opening up for us at least a little bit with COVID, uh, COVID restrictions lifting. Um, we can really get back into the into the, the nuts and bolts of what we do and start building those relationships again. Um, now, Tony, obviously, not asking you to go into the details of every single bit of these these uh, discussions that we had, but what what are a few of the takeaways that you you came out away with the, this morning? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And it is an absolutely critical part of what we do, and one of the reasons that we have all these members is to support us in this. Is the fact we can get access in the ministers. Yeah. And we can get their ear and we can talk about the issues and make sure they're aware of what's happening. Um, and it's something that we've spent a lot of time on. And the great thing I, I found today was that they actually understand it and the welcoming spirit that we had from those ministers uh, was, was fantastic. Uh, they understand the issues we're facing. You know, they know the year we've had. They know that what we had with bushfires. They know what COVID's done and they know the potential risks of China and that they're, they're well aware of that. And it was really good to go and give them an update on where we're up to and all these things. Um, I came away thinking that these are, a, these are a group who will give us good support um, and that these are people who understand their issues. I should make it really clear though, uh, you don't just go up there and you walk out with a bucket of money. That's not what it's all about. It's about long lasting relationships long-lasting understanding of what the sector does for the economy and that what we do for the rural regional economy. And I, and I think we're really making great progress in getting that understanding. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, a couple of those ministers in Minister Littleproud and Minister G, they're people we've known for for quite a quite a long time now. But we've had that first initial meeting with uh, with Minister Team this morning and it was just, it was very, very good to meet him. And he's certainly someone who brings a lot of enthusiasm to the role. He's got wine in his electorate, of course, but he's he understands what we're going through and he's really keen to keen to help. So that was the big takeaway for me is that we've got a good a, a good team of people up there to, to to talk to. And over the next little while as well, you know, we don't just focus on the government in this role. Over the next little while, we'll also be talking to, to the, uh, the Labor uh, figures uh, in agriculture and trade and foreign affairs and, and others in the in the coming weeks as well. So it's really important in our role that we're we're up there, we're talking to people and we're building those relationships as much as we can. Yeah, Lee, it was great to meet with Dan Tan. I've not met him before. Uh, I've walked around the corridors of Parliament for a long time, as you know, and I just haven't had the opportunity to meet with Dan. I was really impressed with him. I thought he was well briefed. He understands the issues. He's clearly aware of what's happening in his electorate. Uh, and he's clearly aware of the big picture issues. His advantage is he's got really good advisors. And some of those advisors that have come up there from the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, they're people that I was involved in negotiations with on things like the United States Free Trade Agreement with Australia. And they've been in the coalface. They understand the wine issues. Another one of them, he used to work in some of our, multi, our plurilateral work on wine with other countries. Uh, and he and I go a long way back. And it's just great to have that long-standing relationship and understanding of the issues. 
certainly is. Now, one of the other things, aside from that sort of trade and market access dimension of what we were speaking about today is, is COVID-19. Obviously, that's one of the things that's really uh, been a dampener on well, the entire economy, of course, but on the wine industry uh, as part of that. Um, this week, we've seen a lockdown in Melbourne, and I think it's served as a really important reminder that these things can spring up so quickly. And to me, that's a reminder that, that every business around the country, wine businesses and grape growers included, need to be very much aware of, of what they need to be doing to prepare and how they need to be COVID safe in their operations. Um, Tony, I know you've been doing a little bit of work on this and uh, along with the AWRI. Did you want to say a few words about what businesses might need to be thinking about at the moment? Yeah, I do. And thanks, Lee. It, look, it's really critical. One of the things that when COVID hit last year, it, we were right in the middle of vintage. Um, we had the potential there that we would not have been able to harvest the grapes. And we might have been in a position where last year we had no grapes. We were lucky in that we managed to preserve that essential industry status of the sector. Uh, and that was a lot of hard work. Uh, we still got it. But the point is, unless we make sure that we are COVID aware, uh, we've got COVID emergency plans in place, uh, we've got all those those things that those protocols and procedures set down and we're obeying them, we run the risk that if there's an in, a COVID incursion, uh, they could be shut down the business tomorrow. We can't afford breaches and we can't afford our companies not to be compliant. We've got a lot of good advice up on our website. Uh, we put it there last year. I still encourage everyone to make sure they've got those COVID plans in place because we cannot afford vintage to be stopped halfway through. Um, and just because it's all going well at the moment, we shouldn't get complacent. So I would just urge everyone to make sure you've got your plans, review your plans and make sure that you're obeying those plans. Absolutely. It's, it's just so, so important. And, and as I said, that Victorian situation really served as a, as a really important reminder for all of us, I think. Um, one other issue that I, I just quickly wanted to touch on today, because it's something we haven't talked about on the podcast previously, is um, alcohol advertising. Now, in part of my role as the, the government relations manager is, is to, to look at alcohol and health policy issues, and it's a fascinating area. One thing that we see from time to time is, is calls from uh, public health advocates to place restrictions on alcohol advertising or even outright bans on alcohol advertising. Now, obviously we take a, a more nuanced approach to that. Part of um, alcohol advertising in Australia is um, a really important part of this is the alcohol um, beverages advertising code or ABAC as we call it. Now, Tony, you're on the board of ABAC. It's an industry run initiative. Um, it's, a, it's something that perhaps a lot of listeners may not may not really know a lot about, but it's a really effective and important tool for us. Tony, could you just give us a little bit of background on ABAC itself and perhaps some of the things that a wine business might want to be thinking about when they are considering advertising uh, their product? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And I guess the first thing to say is a lot of people think, well, we don't advertise. We're a small business. You know, advertising isn't part. We don't put TV ads out. We don't put radio ads out. We don't put things in print. Every time you go on social media, that's advertising. Everyone does social seize day and you've got to be really careful what you say. There are legal requirements about advertising, but as well as that, we've got our advertising code. And it's really important that not only do we have a good code, but we don't want to get something mandated. The anti-alcohol lobby, they want to stop all sort of advertising. That means no social media about your product. That is where they want to go. Uh, and so what we've done with ABAC, and it's a great scheme, it's what it is, is you can get ads pre-vetted. So if you're doing in print, 
radio or TV. So someone will look at your ad for you. It's for a small a small cost, and members get a, a discount, of course. Um, Australian Grape and Wine members, they will look at it and they will deem it compliant or non-compliant with the, not only the legal standards, but also the code. And the code looks at all sorts of things like making sure it's not appealing to minors, uh, not depicting um, alcohol in sport, alcohol with motor cars, all those things you've got to be very careful about, any of those interactions in any sort of media. Um, we, we found a lot of problems when COVID came in with uh, all the talk about um, you know, people filling shopping trolleys and posting pictures like that of people doing alcohol. And you, you've got to be very careful about your messaging because you cannot promote uh, injudicious use of alcohol. So um, we've, I, we also, what we do is we get community standard expectations. So we do research, independent research. It looks at what community expects from advertising uh, and what, what, um, what advertising appeals to minors. So we look at all these things. So we make sure that our independent panel can assess those aspects of advertising. And, and we've got this great panel of experts of people who adjudicate. But the top thing we've got is the chief adjudicator is a guy called Michael Lavash. Michael is an ex-attorney general for Labor when they're in power. He is one of the most ethical, intelligent men I've ever dealt with. And he is fantastic the way he will go through and he runs across all these ads you might see, and he he looks at them dispassionately against the requirements and makes assessment. He is does a really good job. Um, I would encourage you all to go on our website, uh, look at what ABAC do, look at the code, make sure you comply with the code, and please talk to me about any of the aspects. It looks at things as far as placement, where you put ads, uh, particularly that, that making sure you don't get in the same thing. So minors could be uh, the people who could be appealed to. It's really important that we make sure we're trying to sell to the right people, but it, it's a really important job. If we got hit with a mandatory legislation on this, it would reduce dramatically what everyone could do. And it's not just a big company issue. This affects everyone. Yeah, make no mistake. You know, it's uh, it's, it's it's one of those things that just doesn't just apply to the wine sector. It applies to to beer, to spirits, to cider, to craft beer and everything in between. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that, we we don't deny for a, a moment that we sell a beautiful product it's it's a legitimate product and we have every right to be advertising a legal product but we need to be doing it in the right way and we need to be doing it responsibly so if you're not part of the abac scheme we want to learn more about it feel free to get in touch with us or have a look at our website for some more information um now tony we're getting around to the end of the podcast uh for today we always talk about what we're going to have in our glass this weekend. I can tell you what I'm going to have in my glass. Uh, I have a uh, bit of a catch up with a, a couple of friends of mine on uh, Sunday night. And I reckon we're going to have a Campbell's Rubber Glen musket, which I'm very much looking forward to because it's one of my uh, favourite things in the world. And, and Vale, Colin Campbell. Colin Campbell is a great advocate for the industry. Um, I miss him dearly, uh, but... Uh, he still produces great product and his family are great people. So um, Absolutely. it's a great choice. Um, I, I had a chat with David O'Leary this week. David, of course, has been a long-standing member of Australian Grape and Wine, uh, produces fantastic Riesling, as you know. He told me that the quality of this year's vintage for Riesling is probably the best he's ever seen. He says it's down a bit in volumes, but he, he said the stuff he took off this week from Polish Hill Vineyard was absolutely fantastic. So I, I'm going to take his advice. I'm, I'm very keen to try that. As you know, I'm a keen Riesling aficionado. So I'm going to, I'm going to 
drink a bottle of uh, David's Polish Hill Riesling this week from the 20, uh, 20 vintage, uh, the 2019 vintage. Uh, and then I'm going to look for when the next release, because this is something I'm really keen to try. If it's as good as David says, it's going to be good enough for me. Well, David would know, uh, wouldn't he? So, look, whatever you have in your glass this week, and I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you drink responsibly. And uh, we're looking forward to catching up with you next time on the podcast. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you.